May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all our hearts be now and always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking together at different parts of the scriptures to ask what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? The most uh, basic definition of a Christian is someone who follows Jesus, someone who seeks to follow Jesus. And we have been looking at different pictures, different illustrations, different ideas that crop up in scripture, which help us to understand what it may be to be a follower of Jesus. And they're a little bit like uh, petals on a flower. They do sort of overlap. Um, and uh, together, as we uh, have considered them, I hope they have given us a bit of a, a, a rounded picture of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I want to just think together this morning about that for a few minutes before uh, turning to uh, that passage from, uh, from Luke's Gospel. So just have that in your mind. Have the, the idea of a, of a flower or a, uh, of petals in a flower overlapping one another, um, giving you uh, the, the flower in its entirety. So here's our flower, okay? Here's our flower, albeit with the limitations of um, uh, my ability to use PowerPoint, okay? So here's following Jesus, okay? Here's the, the sort of bit in the middle, and here are the petals going around the flower. We have looked at these different pictures, these images, these illustrations of what it means to follow Jesus. We've thought about being newborn babies or like newborn babies. We've thought about being living stones, holy priests, chosen people, foreigners and aliens, soldiers, athletes, and this morning, farmers. So these different pictures, these different ideas, each one helping us to see a little bit more of what it's like to follow Jesus. And in each of these um, pictures or illustrations, there are, if you like, uh, ideas. There are things that can help us to be followers of Jesus. So, so newborn babies, newborn babies cry out for milk. They've tasted it, they know it's good, they know it's nourishing. Newborn babies desiring more of Jesus. However you may have touched him or felt him, whether that is recently, whether you've had a time to pray this morning, or whether he feels perhaps a bit distant, whether it feels a long time since you've actually sort of encountered him, once you do, once you have met Jesus, you know deep down that no one else will really be able to fill what he can fill. There's a lovely phrase in one of the uh, prayers we use when we celebrate bread and wine together. It's, uh, and it says, Jesus, who is the bread of life, in whom all our hungers are satisfied. In whom all our hungers are satisfied. To cry out 
for more of Jesus. Living stones connected to him and connected to one another. This idea that we are being built up together into something beautiful. The temple was an amazing building that the people of Israel looked to as a sign, as a symbol of God's blessing and of God's presence with them. You and I are that new symbol because we are connected to him and we are connected to one another. And when we meet on a, on a Sunday, it's good to remember that there are not hundreds or thousands, even millions, that there are hundreds of millions of Christians meeting together around the world to celebrate all that Jesus has done. And we are part of that living temple. We are holy priests. We are offering worship acceptable to God. We are chosen people. We are precious to him. In a world that doesn't make you feel very precious sometimes, does it? We live in a society which, uh, which can make people feel very dismissed very quickly. We are often judged, aren't we? Our society values three things above all else. Fame, fortune and physique. And if you don't have those things, you are quickly dismissed. Not in God's plan. You are chosen and you are precious. Foreigners and aliens. That's a lovely one. I love that one. I love that one. You and I are not yet home. You know that song we just sang? Your goodness will lead me home. We are not yet home. We should feel a bit out of place. We should feel that this is not quite where we belong. Another phrase for this would be pilgrims. We are on a journey. We are headed to where we really belong. And scripture gives us those amazing pictures of heaven, of a, of a city where thousands upon thousands of angels sing God's praise, where Christ has prepared a place for us and where we belong, where we will feel at home, where we will step into the inheritance of the children of God Soldiers, athletes, farmers, working patiently with our Father to see the kingdom of God grow. So each one of these petals gives us a picture of what it means to follow Jesus. But judging from your expressions this morning, you don't find that very interesting. Okay, so let's go on to the next slide. Right. It's good to remember what we are meant to be like. But none of that should obscure the basic and fundamental invitation to be with Jesus. To come, follow me. 
In the story we read from Luke's Gospel, we are actually given some remarkable physical details. We're told that Jesus goes into these boats that are just, just by the side. They're just in the shallow water. And Jesus can step into them and sit and teach, which is what rabbis did. They sat and they taught. And we don't know what Jesus said. Luke doesn't tell us. But we know that whatever he was teaching came to an end. And then Jesus says some beautiful words to Peter, to Simon Peter. He says, put out into the deep. Luke's told us that these boats are in the shallow water. And he says, put out into the deep. And Simon Peter doesn't want to go. He says, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. And then I love the next words, but because you say so, <laughs> because you say so, all right, I'll do it. He's waiting, isn't he, for a colossal I told you so. He's really setting it up, isn't he? He's going to take them out into the deep water and they're going to catch nothing because it's the middle of the day and the fish hide from the light. He's thinking, I'm a fisherman, you're a carpenter, okay? I'm going to show you that you don't know what you're talking about. But he does obey what Jesus says and he launches out into the deep. And he didn't know what was going to happen, even though we do. Out there in the deep, where he can't put his feet down, that's where he finds the blessing. That's where he finds the moment when the presence of Jesus overwhelms him and overwhelms his boats and overwhelms his ideas of what fishing is and of what life is and of what who he is. It's all going to change out there in the deep. We know about the fish, we know about the boats beginning to sink. It's easy to look at the fish and say, wow, what an amazing miracle. The fish is not the important bit, okay? The fact that Peter kneels before Jesus and says, get away from me, I am a sinful man. Out there in the deep, he encounters Jesus and Jesus will transform his life. Imagine if Peter had just taken the fish. Imagine if he'd just got those boats back onto the, uh, onto the shore and they'd have, they'd have won the lottery, they'd have sold their fish, they'd have fed their families, they'd have done all that. And the following year, what would have happened? Maybe he'd have had another boat from all the fish he'd sold. But he'd still be a fisherman. And none of us would ever have heard of him. But because out there in the deep, he encountered the Lord Jesus, his life was changed 
and he began to come follow me. So all these words are important. They give us an idea of what it is like to follow Jesus. What we should be like as followers of Jesus. But they mustn't and shouldn't obscure the fundamental invitation to come follow me and launch out into the deep. And where might the deep be for you? Where might Jesus invite you to go? Where might he invite you where you can't put your feet down? Where it feels a bit scary? Where he asks you to trust him? It might be in a physical move, but the chances are it probably won't. But it might be in a step of faith to forgive someone you have found it hard to forgive, to love someone you have found it hard to love, to let go of a grudge or a hurt, to let go of a habit or an addiction which breaks and damages us. To step into more of the fullness which God has for us. To allow him to change the way we think about ourselves, about others, about God's people, about who's welcome in our church, about even how our church might be as we go together with him. You see, that's the point about the deep, isn't it? You can't put your feet down. The things that are easy and secure and familiar aren't there. But Jesus is. And when we find that he is with us, and the things we are used to aren't, then there is the capacity and the opportunity and the potential for blessings so big that they can fill our boats. So if you're into words, there's some words. I hope they're helpful. If you're into pictures, think of the sunflower. But if, like me, you prefer things quite simple, think about Jesus with his hand out, saying, come, follow me, and together, let's go into the deep, because I am with you, and there I will bless you. Amen.